Welcome to Divorce Right, HR solutions for divorce in the workplace. I'm your host, Vicki Townsend, and welcome to the show for HR directors, managers, and department heads looking for solutions for their divorcing employees. Divorce is the second highest life stressor coming in just slightly behind death of a loved one. From presenteeism to absences and everything in between, divorcing employees cost our country billions of dollars each year in lost productivity. In this show, you'll learn how you can help your employees through this very challenging life event. So join us every Monday where we dive into the -the state-of-the-art techniques, tips, and real-world solutions for divorcing employees in the workplace. You'll meet thought leaders from the divorce and the human resources industries from across the country. You'll hear from industry giants in the fields of mental health, legal matters, finance, issues with children, and so much more to help you help your employee through this incredibly challenging life event. So put it on your calendar and learn how you can make this process a better one for your team. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Vicki Townsend, and I am the founder and president of Divorce Right. And we provide training for HR professionals and any company supervisor, anybody with direct reports. And we provide divorce case management for your divorcing employees so that you can get your employees the, re- the support and the resources that they need so that they can keep their head on straight and show up and be a productive member of your team. And I want to introduce you to Paulette Rigo, a certified divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, credentialed mediator, and director of coaching and management here at Divorce Right. And together, we tackle the biggest disruptor in your company, divorce. And today, we have another expert that provides relief for your divorcing employees that have special needs children. Families with special needs children experience divorce at higher rates than families without a special needs child, and their divorce requires a true expert in dealing with these complicated issues. So please meet today's guest, family law attorney Dina DiGiorgio. Dina is a family law attorney and mediator practicing in her own boutique law firm for 27 years. Dina leverages her extensive legal expertise, litigation experience, and mediation training to help identify the bottlenecks that prevent clients from reaching agreements, crafts innovative approaches and solutions to resolve disputes without the the cost, time, and emotional toil of lengthy divorce litigation. Dina is a member of the Matrimonial and Family Law Committees of the New York State Bar and the Nassau County Bar Association, the New York State uh, Council on Divorce Mediation, and the National Association of Divorce Professionals. Dina is one of the co-directors of the NADP's Special Needs Chapter. Dina serves on the executive board of the Nicholas Center, located in Port Washington, New York. The Nicholas Center welcomes over 120 participants who are on the autism spectrum each year on Long Island and Westchester to learn critical life skills, improve their social and communication abilities, gain meaningful vocational training, and engage in community projects, including feeding the homeless and beautifying their neighborhoods. Welcome, 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 Dina. So excited to be here with you and Paulette and to talk about this really important topic today. Indeed. Well, Paulette, why don't you get us started? Well, Dina, thank you so much for adding your extensive expertise to this conversation. It is a problem, uh, and I think a growing problem, too. And we appreciate your expertise because you really um, are in the trenches with it. So let's just begin with your with your professional experience. How does going through a divorce affect work performance for anyone 
So, you know, obviously going, getting divorced is very stressful. So other than, you know, the ordinary effects of stress, being anxious, being distracted, divorcing takes time. There's meetings with your attorney. There's a court appearances. So that's going to require your employee to be absent uh, a little bit more often from work. And that's, you know, one of the biggest issues, I think. Many of my clients often have to take vacation days and time off to to tend to um, their responsibilities in their litigation, whether it's going to court or appearing at a deposition or meeting me in my office to prepare for a trial. It just takes time. Um, and that that's really the biggest factor and also being just distracted in general um, and employer and employers need to be sensitive to the fact that this is temporary. The employees going through a, you know, a period that will range anywhere between 12 and 24 months, but it won't go on forever. But it's really important that the employer is sensitive to the employee being able to take time off um, to focus on their divorce. Right. And do you find that through your experience that employees or people with particularly corporate jobs, um, although entrepreneurs can be affected too, right? Everyone's uh, affected by divorce. Of course, right? But for, the, for those that have like more of a, a structure that they live with, with a, a nine to five or, you know, a structure of work that their employees are particularly sensitive to that or or not? Oh, Absolutely. It's the number one uh, issue for my clients is being able to be, you know, when is the court appearance? Am I going to be able to take off if they if they're an integral part of the team or they have a project, uh, you know, do are they going to be able to participate? Because, you know, the court schedules things around its schedule not necessarily the litigant schedule. So it's very, very hard to choose dates. And really, you sort of get what you get. Um, and that's a number one concern for my clients that work nine to five that have, you know, limited amount of time off. Can they, you know, can I speak to them during the day? Can they take care of things during res- regular business hours? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they need to send me documents. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's really a big deal. Mm. And not to mention the fine financial concerns too, where perhaps they didn't plan for it and they don't have the nest egg needed for paying for additional expenses due to divorce and maybe even having to look at other alternative means to be able to pay for it too. So there's the financial stress of what do I do for this? Not just, oh, you mean the courts won't just look at my calendar and see if I can, um, right. you know, can't they do this when I'm free? You know, it, it's that uh, you just feel like you need to live on this infinite timetable and you don't know, okay, the it's going to cost blank. Like when you buy a car, there's the little price on the car and yeah, you can haggle a little bit, right? But the price is you know, pretty much the price. And we just don't know based on how long it might take or how involved it might be, what other professionals it might be, the timetable, but also the cost that's expected. And living in that stress and that uncertainty can no doubt be one of the hardest uh, parts of divorce. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Often, you know, clients need to tap into 401ks, deferred compensation plans, uh, borrow money from those funds in order to pay for their, you know, their divorce. It can get really expensive, as you pointed out. Mm. Well, on the topic at hand with special needs, what additional challenges do people with special needs children experience while 
while divorcing themselves. So, you know, it's all of the things that we talked about, uh, which is the time, the stress, the anxiety. But now the employee, particularly if they're going to be the primary caregiver, you know, if they are the primary caregiver during the divorce and they're going to continue to be after the divorce, they find themselves the single parent of a child who has special needs, which which requires extra attention, extra medical appointments, more coordination, additional funds. And while, you know, the divorce process is, is unpleasant, it is durational and it will end. So those disruptors will go away. But employees with special needs ch- children face not only the disruption of divorce, but then the ongoing challenges that are presented by having a special needs child, maybe now being a single parent, maybe now having less uh, caregiver options or less respite options, Mm -hmm. maybe having less financial resources to take care of the extra medical, psychological, and educational needs that their child may have. And one of the other biggest things that people don't realize is when you're the primary caretaker of a special needs child, you typically know everything about that child. But it, it, you know, what medications they're taking, whether they have any allergies, what activities they like, what activities they don't like. So that that knowledge is within you. But now if you're a special, if you're um, a single parent and you're relying on even the other parent doesn't always know everything. But if you're relying on outside caregivers how do you communicate this information to those people? So you can, you know, find yourself at work while your child is is either with the other parent or with a caregiver, and you're constantly perhaps being interrupted because questions come up, issues come up, emergencies come up. You know, the child might have to go to a doctor appointment. And how do you, you know, how do you relay that information to the other caregivers in a consistent, reliable way so that it doesn't disrupt your work day? And you make such a good point because you know, divorce is a, a a chapter in your life, right? There is a begin beginning, there is a middle, there is an ending, thank goodness. But being the parent, well, you're, those of us that are parents, you never stop being a parent, but um, the, the role may change a little, right, parents? But it, but it's, it's yeah. uh, still there. But when you have a special needs child, that responsibility is pretty much forever. And... Um, Divorce doesn't just strike the young, you know, even in gray divorce, if you have a special needs child, it's probably now in their 30s, 40s, or maybe even 50s. um, And there are major continual concerns and agreements between the parents of that, that, that offspring and which you still need to see eye to eye on, make decisions for. It isn't just, uh, the, the divorce of a, a two-year-old or a four-year-old or a young special needs child, but could be a teenager or a young adult and beyond, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, often the parents, some of, some children with special needs are unable to live independently. So, Parents have to make succession plans. They have to create, uh, you know, safety nets, trusts, fund the trusts. 
to make sure that the child has a good quality, you know, even the adult child has a good quality of life, is able to live independently, has perhaps the appropriate guardian appointed to make decisions, medical or otherwise, financial, if they're not capable of doing it. So really, um, it, it requires really um, specialized planning, and it really requires a team of professionals. But most importantly, it, you need to get the information out to those families with special needs children that their situation when they get divorced is a little bit unique and there are special considerations uh, that need to be discussed, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, more so than in, let's just say, the regular divorce where the child will turn, will become an adult. And in New York, child support's payable till 21, child support will end. Presumably, the child will go off to become, you know, an independent adult, and that's sort of the end of it. But that's not always true in special mm. divorce. Right. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned child support ends at 21 in New York, and every state's a little bit different, everyone. So don't assume it's always 18 or always right. 21. And in and, and some instances, it's also 23 based on education. So uh, we do pretty much live in 50 little different countries when it comes to divorce. Right. Right? Yeah. So Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I, I want to just make one clarification. So it ends in t- 21 in New York, but if you have a developmentally disabled child mm-hmm. that meets the definition of uh, developmentally disabled as in under New York law, child support can be paid until 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the law in about 40 other states as well. So New York just enacted that law very recently. So mm-hmm. really... If, if you're paying support until you're adult, it's really no longer a child. The, the, the individual is really an adult. It's particularly important to be mindful of how you plan and how you structure those payments. Mm, really vital fact. Thank you for clarifying that for no those problem. that need that. So shifting the idea here, the, the conversation from the employer, or the HR professional, where they really are um, in a position of, what do we do? You know, how can we support them? But what is the best way for employers or HR professionals to support employees who find themselves in these situations so that they can really not lose them as an employee and help them get through it? I think really have resources and information available to them. So there's sort of a checklist of things that you need to consider, questions that need you know you need to ask and determine whether or not you need to include them in your divorce settlement. And most people aren't readily aware of that information. And it's difficult to find uh, one place where you can really sort of have a, um, a a compilation of all of the issues. So I think if employees could develop um, a resource or a video or some sort of information that they could share with their employee that could alert them to um, information that they, if they knew ahead of, you know, if they know ahead of time serves them better in the end, that's really the best thing that they can do. Hmm. So the difference might be from somebody, I hate to use the word normal, right? A normal divorce. Is there such a thing? I don't know, Vicki, is there such yes. a thing as normal divorce? So. Right? But, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're just, we're just going to use the word normal for the moment. But it, it, there may, the, the mindset is that perhaps we need just an attorney. 
right? And but it sounds like for what I'm gathering that there may be other professionals that they need another a Rolodex, a, a, a contact list, a sheet of resources, but of uh, other additional experts that they meet, may need that perhaps some other divorces do not need. But who might those professionals be? So certainly you need a divorce lawyer. Uh, and obviously divorce is state specific. So you need somebody who's a you know experienced family law practitioner in the state you live in. Uh, there's often a lot of, um, you might need to create some trusts. You might need to do some special needs planning. Um, you may need to deal with some guardianship issues for your uh, child when that child becomes a legal adult so that you're able to make decisions for that child and you have to navigate that with the other parent, your ex-spouse. It's easier if you're on the same page and you provide for those things in the context of your divorce agreement. So you would want uh, an elder law attorney or an attorney who specializes um, in special needs planning. You probably want a financial planner to help you determine how much income that your child might need, how you should fund the trust, what the trust should be uh, invested in, how it can be managed. And you you probably want to work with um, uh, a, a someone who specializes in maximizing government benefits. Mm-hmm. So one, one company that I, a member of our NADP chapter um, is Eric Jorgensen. He runs a True North Disability Planning. So he is able to advise people in 50 states, but he, and he works with the team that you work with in a specific state. Uh, to make sure that you don't make those mistakes where you inadvertently think you're doing a great thing by providing a lot of money to support your child. But what you're really doing is disqualifying that adult child for benefits. And then finally, um, there are apps and, and communication tools that rely on technology where you can uh, upload all of the information, the doctors, the emergency contacts, the allergies, the list of medicines, the child's schedule. You know, they, they go to this program on Monday and Tuesday from this time to that time. All those details that whoever is with your child needs to know, whether it's the other, other parent a caregiver, if they're in a respite program, all that information that needs to be available um, to make sure that your child is cared for or your adult child is cared for the way they should be, um, can be uploaded to an app and you can give different people access, levels of access to the information. And one company that did a presentation for us during one of our NADP meetings is Hope Trust. And it's really an amazing tool. Uh, And it, it, it sort of allows the employee, if that person is the primary caregiver, or even if that person is the other parent, it, mm-hmm. it, it has all the information there and they don't have to continually speak to one another, text one another, you know, during the workday. They just need to sort of open the app, look up the information and, you know, only in a true emergency would they have to communicate. Mm. So it's sort of like a co-parenting app for special needs families. It doesn't. It, yes, it, but you know, it doesn't have to be for divorced families too. Like, okay, good to know. Families yeah. that are not experiencing divorce can also use it. Let's say they have caregivers, you right. know, coming in the house, and they want to make sure the caregivers know that you know the child's allergic to penicillin or the child can't eat peanut mm. butter or something like that. Yeah. It's and it's the child's unable to communicate. 
to right. hear. And that's, right. that's what I love about, you know, we're talking about technology stepping in and particularly in the divorce space. It's really, it's really gotten quite good so that those people that couldn't get along, you know, together can now use, a, a, you know, can actually communicate through this app without actually ever talking to one another. Yeah. And what I love about this is that there's no questions as to, you know, what medications is Johnny on, you know, or, you know, is, does he have any allergies? All of it is written there and it's so easy to, um, to do. It's just, a it, it, these things are godsends and they're yeah. the kinds of resources these families really, really need. Mm. It improves everyone's quality of life, most most especially the, the child, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that you make sure that your child's receiving the best care they possibly can. Particularly when you're dealing with a child that's not as communicative or right. an adult that isn't as communicative as you might need or would ultimately optimally like in order to make sure that everything is uh, smooth sailing. And well, do you find that there's a way to... Uh, a breach, uh, approach the topic with an attorney. If you are considering divorce or divorcing, if the, a family law attorney has experience in dealing with special needs, is there other than just coming right out and asking the question, do you have experience in working with special needs divorces? I guess, you know, the direct approach is always helpful, but I think if you know, if, if you as the potential client have a basic understanding of what issues you yourself should raise or you should bring up, you can ask that attorney if they have any experience, if they know about these resources, if they understand how if child support is not structured correctly, it could it can make their adult child ineligible for SSI benefits, which is the biggest uh, trap. That, t- tell them about it. You, you and I had a conversation many a couple of years ago, probably at this point, and um, you were talking about uh, you probably don't remember, but I do, where you were very frustrated because you were you, you you said I can't even practice law, and you know because I have to fix these these settlement statements that are incorrectly written for other families, other attorneys that were not as skilled at this as you are, and the way they had it written, the child lost all of their benefits. So why don't you right. talk about that? Because that was scary. For me, that was super yes. scary. So it's a very simple thing, right? So you, you know, people get married, um, I'm sorry, get divorced at all different, you know, stages of their child's life, right? So in this particular instance, the, um, the, the couple got divorced and the child was sort of young. I think the child was like maybe in, kin- you know, kindergarten or first or second grade. And there were, but the child was developmentally delayed. So there were the normal child support provisions in the agreement where um, the, you know, the, the, the non-custodial parent was paying child support to the custodial parent directly until the child was 21 and add-ons and all the things that you would normally put in an agreement. The problem is that when um, a child well, it's, a child is eligible for SSI um, if they meet the criteria for being disabled. And they're entitled to receive a direct benefit that can be used to defray, you know, housing, food, other, other expenses. But child support, even though it's not paid to the child, 
is counted as unearned income to the child when you're attempting to qualify the child for SSI benefits. Mm -hmm. So from age 18 to age 21, the child is ineligible for SSI benefits depending on how much child support's being paid. So for example, the maximum SSI benefit I think is $841 a month. If, if the parent is receiving and the first $20 um, is doesn't count. After that, the benefit is reduced for every dollar that's paid in child support, you lose a dollar of the benefit. So if someone is getting $800 a month in child support and the benefit is $841, they would basically lose. That child would be ineligible for SSI while the child support's being paid. The way around that is to have the child support paid into a trust, uh, you know, qualified. There's criteria, so you have to know what you're doing. And if the money is paid into a trust and it's set up properly, then the it doesn't affect eligibility um, for SSI payments. Now, the law is now changed in New York. Now, child support is payable until 26 for developmentally dis- dis- potentially available uh, for developmentally disabled children. So now the problem is just compounded because now you're, if you don't structure the agreement the right way, you're making your adult child ineligible potentially until they're 26, which Mm, which is really when they need it. Right. And then there's other benefits that can get affected too. It's very complicated, which is why it makes sense to work with the company that can help you navigate you know, Medicaid eligibility, Medicaid waivers, SSI eligibility. And, you know, it's very state specific because every state has different rules. So you have to know and have experience. And there are companies, as I mentioned, uh, True North Disability Planning is one of them that works nationwide that can help families. And they need to consult with the families very early on. They need to start very early because this eligibility doesn't happen instantaneously. You know, it's the government. It takes it takes time. So that's the biggest negative impact that you can have when you do not understand and you're and you you don't work with a team who understands how to how to maximize benefits in a way that's it's it's allowed. It's perfectly acceptable, but it just has to be done correctly. Mm, right. And having a special needs child is very expensive. And I don't know the, the latest statistics, but I hear, unfortunately, that a very large percentage of couples that marry and have a special needs child end up divorcing by the time the child is 21. Uh, it's a very high percentage from what I hear. So the, the rate is typically, um, so if, I think there was a study done where they found that they, they took two populations, the population of, let's say, people getting divorced who had you know, let's say I hate the word traditional, normal, right? Yeah, traditional, traditional children without any additional needs, and then families who had children with varying disabilities. So the families with the children of varying disabilities got divorced at probably you know a higher, a much higher rate than the the um, the families who uh, were were going through divorce. Um, without the with with children who didn't have any disabilities right and it's so true and it's you know and 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 it's a it's a stressor it's an additional stressor which is why i wanted to have you on because divorce is stressful as it is right it's 
it's just the biggest disruptor. But with families with special needs children, they have so many more things on their plate um, that they have to think about. Um, And at the same time, now they were, you know, you know, kind of operating in concert, you know, through, through, you know, from the beginning of their marriage and, and they were working together. Now there are two people working independently of one another with their special needs child. So they're alone and doing this. And it's, it can be even, you know, an an additional stressor for, for your employees. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, and it's not, it it can be the duration of time, the duration of stress lasts longer because the divorce ends, but the needs of the child, you know, may continue, may increase over time. Um, and certainly, and certainly, moving a, spe- a special needs child to a new home, a new school, right? It's all of this- stressful. Making sure that you qualify your child for whatever services they're needed from the school district. You may have to engage an attorney that specializes in that to make sure your child is getting the correct um, interventions. And then, if you and your spouse are not on the same page about what those interventions need to be, that's a whole other problem. Because if you don't agree and you have joint decision-making authority, it can really create sort of a stalemate or a logjam, which could result in your child receiving no interventions or the incorrect type uh, because the school district is stuck between, you know, two people who can't agree, but legally they have joint decision-making authority. So that's another thing that has to be considered when you're thinking about that is how well are you and your, you know, spouse going to be able to co-parent? Are you on the same page about what your child needs mm-hmm. um, and what your child's disabilities are? And are you both realistic about whether your child will ultimately need a guardian, will it be able to live independently? Um, If you're not, one person really should be the decision maker versus having, you know, two people who won't really agree have to agree. Um, It creates all sorts of problems vis-a-vis the schools and the school district when the child is a minor. Right. So that's, so I, I thank you so much for shedding a light on this. I, I have been, you actually opened my eyes to to this so many years ago, and I'm so grateful that you did, because um, these families need our help. They are they need to have somebody hold their hands and really walk them through it, so that they don't make the mistakes that we were talking about today, right. and we can get them you know set up. And that's why we have coaches here at Divorce Right that are experts at navigating uh, the the special needs. Uh, landscape at, with the, at, through, as uh, a family is going through a divorce. So if you should have an employee that has a special needs child and they do find themselves going through a divorce, um, we have those professionals that can um, can help their children go through it in a kinder and gentler way. And that's ultimately what we want to do. So thank you, Dina. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this with us today. I thought that it was super, super informative and that we were able to kind of shine a light on something that is not necessarily discussed openly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly something that uh, impacts the productivity and uh, the, the distractibility at work. So we want to help those families go through this
with as, as grace as we can possibly give them while all maintaining all of those special benefits for their children that they need. Dina, thank you so much. Paulette, thank you so much for doing this with me today. This was thank awesome. You. Thank you, Dina, too. Dina, uh, real quickly before you leave, why don't you just tell them a little bit about your website and how they can contact you? So my website um, is my name. It's dinadigiorgio.com, all small letters, um, uh, lowercase. <laughs> and my I have an office in Port Washington. My phone number is 516-767-1231. My email is my name. So it's dina at dinadigiorgio.com. And I have a LinkedIn profile. I have a Facebook page. You could message me on LinkedIn. I'll get back to you. Send me an email. If you type my name, you know, on Google, my website will pop up. So I'm, I'm very easy to find. Um, and I just want to thank you very much, both of you, for having me, but more importantly, for discussing this topic because you really are doing a service and information is so valuable and education is so valuable. And and having a plan and knowing the right way to go about this pro- divorce process when you have a special needs child saves you a lot of heartache um, and a lot of problems uh, mm-hmm. later on that are not so easy to fix sometimes. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Thank you, everybody, for uh, being with us today. Next week, we're going to be talking about some cultural matters Um, that are maybe different than what we normally and typically think of as we go through divorce process. Because when you move to the United States from another country, I mean, shoot, we were talking about it earlier before we went live that we're in like 50 little countries here when it comes to divorcing here in, in the United States. But imagine coming here from the Middle East or from, you know, from, you know, Eastern, the Eastern Asian countries or South America, um, other countries where divorce looks very, very different. So we're going to be talking about that uh, next week with Elizabeth Yang of Yang Law from Pasadena, California, about the the um, Asian cultures and how they go through divorce. Dina, thank you again. And thank you all for being with us. And we'll see you next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Bye for now. Thanks so much for joining us on Divorce Right, HR Solutions for Divorce in the Workplace. If you know someone who would benefit from something you've learned today, please share this with them. And if you found value, please leave us a review.